Our Father, our God, the one who brings a peace beyond our understanding. We're grateful for scriptures that express a part of who we really are and some of the experiences we have in this fallen, messed up world. Thank you for scriptures that give us words to our experiences and our emotions. Lord, thank you also for those scriptures that provide that comfort to know that if we're real enough to draw close to you, you will draw close to us. Father, we hurt today for the loss of life this week. We hurt today for the division that tears apart our world, our nation, our community, and sometimes even our homes. We hurt today because so many have had to say goodbye to loved ones. And Father, we just want to be able to bring that pain to you. We ask, Lord, that you would use this as a healing time. That we might not ignore our grief, that we might not hide it in pride, but that we humbly would experience it express it, and then turn it over to you. Help us that we might grow in that way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have your copy of Scripture with you, I invite your attention to the book of Jeremiah. I want us to look together at Jeremiah chapter 8. We're going to begin at verse 18. Jeremiah experienced exactly what we're talking about thus far. Jeremiah was known as the weeping prophet. Jeremiah knew how to lament or grieve. Matter of fact, he's the guy that wrote the book about it, Lamentations, Lamenting, Grieving. And I want us to experience as much as we can from his perspective this morning as he grieved the fact that his people, God's chosen people, were wandering again too far from God. They were depending on self. They rejected the truth of God. They turned to things in the world to provide for them instead of trusting in the one who had brought them together in the first place. And it broke Jeremiah's heart. Jeremiah knew that the reason that the enemy had come in and destroyed his hometown and wrecked his nation was because his people had been disobedient. And it hurt him. In Jeremiah chapter 8, we get a sense of that grief. Look at verse 18. 
My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. Perhaps some of you felt like I did this week, that that might have been our theme verse for most of the week. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick within me. What a, what a terrible experience for those families in Uvalde. What an awful time in which we live. What a broken, messed up, painful world we live in. My heart is sick within me. You jump down a few verses, look at verse 21. And he explains for, to a degree the reason for his grief. He says, the, the wound of the daughter of my people is my heart wounded. I, in other words, I'm wounded because my people are wounded. I hurt because my people hurt. You know the shortest book of the, the shortest verse of the Bible is Jesus wept. But did you know that in the Gospels, Jesus, there's a record of Jesus crying at least two times, not just Jesus wept. But it also says that Jesus looked out over Jerusalem and they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he cried for them. Jeremiah says, the pain that my people are going through because of their disobedience is breaking my heart as well. And then jump down to verse 22 where we're going to camp out for a while. Verse 22 asks that question. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? That verse is a little bit complicated for us to, to interpret. As a matter of fact, there are at least three major schools of thought in how to interpret that question. Is there no balm in Gilead? It might be that God is kind of saying, I told you so. It might be that God is saying, I tried to take care of you, my people, and yet you turned to your own ways. So since you won't take my help, you depend on what you know. Let your doctors heal you. You think they could do that? Balm in Gilead. Balm is, uh, it's an ointment. What grandma used to call a salve. Do people still call it salve? Okay, I'm sorry. Don't be offended. It's a balm is a salve. It's an ointment. And this particular balm that came out of Gilead healed a lot of different things. It came from the resin of a tree that was found in that region of Gilead. And so it really was pretty powerful stuff. Well, matter of fact, it was so powerful or so well known 
that Gilead became known as the place where medicine comes from. Kind of like we might say Napa Valley is where wine comes from. Gilead is where medicine came from. So there's this balm in Gilead. And it could be that God is saying, I tried to take care of you, but you wouldn't let me take care of you. So you go take care of yourself. Don't you still have some of that medicine you've been growing over there in Gilead? Don't you still have doctors to turn to? It also might be kind of the second major school of thought. It might be that God is reminding them that he is indeed available. He's saying, I know you're hurting, but don't you see that there is a resource available? I'm here. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Of course, I'm right here. If you'll just turn to me like you turn to the bomb, I'm ready. Maybe that's what he was saying. I usually find myself in the third school of thought, however. And I'm not sure that the question was being raised by God. I think the question is coming from Jeremiah on behalf of his people. If you look at the context in verse 18, he is devastated. In verse 21, he says the reason he's devastated is because the pain that his people are going through. So I think when we get to 22, he is voicing on behalf of his people this hopeless expression of grief. Is there nobody who can help us? Is there no bomb in Gilead? Either way, whichever school of thought you feel most comfortable with or as you study, whichever one you choose, one thing is the same in all three schools of thought, and that is that the question is left there hanging. Is there no balm in Gilead? And the question lingers without clear answer. And so we can pick up that question today as we face our times of mourning, our grief, our sorrow. Is there no solution? Is there no way to bring healing? Is there no hope? On Memorial Day, we remember the hundreds of thousands of people who died while fighting for our country. The loss of life is incomprehensible. Is there no balm in Gilead? Even today, we see people dying in unnecessary, senseless war in Ukraine. Is there no balm in Gilead? This past week, 19 children and two teachers died. Others were injured and hundreds have been traumatized. Is there no balm in Gilead? One week ago today, an independent report was released which proved that the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention had information about sexual predators in Southern Baptist churches that they had been covering up for years. Hundreds of cases of sexual abuse were recorded on a secret list while survivors were intimidated into remaining quiet 
or completely ignored. So now, as a Southern Baptist for, four, for 57 years, I have to stand before my church and say we're going to have a long, hard conversation about our church's relationship to that convention. Is there no balm in Gilead? Eight days ago, four Central Texas teenagers were killed in a car wreck just a few miles from here. Is there no balm in Gilead? A week and a half ago, 10 people were killed, three injured in an attack on a Buffalo supermarket by a racist gunman. Is there no balm in Gilead? The night before that, the Pleasant Hill Missionary Baptist Church in Whitney was destroyed by fire. It was over 150 years old and was an historic landmark as the first African-American church in Hill County. The cause of the fire is under investigation, but both local and federal investigators agree that the origin of the fire is suspicious. Is there no balm in Gilead? Two weeks ago, one person was killed, five others injured in a church shooting in Orange County, California. The gunman shot them because they were Taiwanese. Is there no bomb in Gilead? We live in a fallen world full of anger, hatred, poverty, disease, abuse, and pain. Is there no bomb in Gilead? The question hangs there. Through much of our pain, the question remains. But out of one of the most surprising places came an answer to the question. Sometime during the hopeless discouraging days of slavery an African American spiritual was written in the words of Howard Thurman the slave caught the mood of this spiritual dilemma and with it did an amazing thing he straightened the question mark in Jeremiah's sentence into an exclamation point there is a bomb in Gilead the song says, there is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and I think my work's in vain, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. If you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot pray like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus and say, he died for all. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin sick soul. Jesus is the great physician. He not only heals the body, but he heals the soul. Jesus died and rose again to give us the cure for our sin-sick 
souls. In just a moment, we'll come to the table on this Memorial Day weekend to remember the sacrifice that he made for us. He died that we might live. He became sin and gave us his righteousness. He indeed is the balm of Gilead. Last night I was reminded of a song by Ann Wilson. A few years ago, when she was at home with her parents, a knock came to the door. When they opened the door, they found the police there who had come to inform the family that Ann's older brother had just died in a car wreck at the age of of 23. Ann said that she heard the Lord that night. And the Lord said to her, Will you trust me? And she struggled for a while, but before she, before she went to bed that night, she answered, I will trust you. And in the days that followed, she began to write a journal of what she was experiencing as she grew closer to the one whom she trusted as she depended on him more each day. One day she went back and she looked back at her journal and she noticed something in the way that she wrote. She noticed that she never just said Jesus, but she always said, my Jesus. Because he had come to her so personally, Not just a God who cares that's way up there somewhere, but a personal God. Walking with her day in, day out, as she grieves, as she mourns, as she celebrates, as she rejoices, she had come to know my Jesus. And that encouraged her to write these words. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling? Because shame's done all its stealing and you're desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus. He makes a way where there ain't no way. He rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong. His grace is free. And the good news is I know that he can do for you what he's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And we come to the table so we can tell you about our Jesus. Friends, I know that this has been a hard week. For some, it's been a hard month. For some, it's been a hard year. I get it, because I'm suffering too. But I want to tell you today, there is a bomb in Gilead. There is one who can bring healing and wholeness 
There is one who can bring peace that doesn't even make sense given the world in which we live. And he makes all of it possible because he chose to love us in spite of our sin. Matter of fact, he said, I love you so much that I'm going to take care of that sin problem. I'm going to die the death that must be died to pay the penalty that must be paid so that you can find life, so that you can live again. Jesus paid it all. My Jesus paid it all. All to him I owed.